Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the great Teddy Atlas. And today we've got a very special guest, UFC fighter Jorge Masvidal. Before we jump into it, though, I want to give a quick shout out to my bookie. They've been a great sponsor of ours. Check them out at mybookie.ag. Use the promo code ATLAS for 100% credit up to $1,000 on your first deposit. So deposit $1,000. They'll match you $1,000. You'll have $2,000 to bet with. A lot of good fights coming up. We've got a big UFC card coming up. Canelo Kovalev, AJ uh, versus Ruiz, too. Lots to be excited about. And uh, additionally, please check out Teddy's audiobook releasing Monday, November 4th. Atlas, From the Streets to the Ring, A Son's Journey to Becoming a Man. The book includes extra conversations between trap between chapters with Teddy. It's a fantastic compliment to the book. Be sure to go to Amazon.com and pre-order now. If you've read the book, a lot of the additional um, content there is really entertaining. I love this book. Um, can't say enough good things. Thanks Thank for being so, with man. us, Jorge. Thank you for having me, man. Pleasure to meet you. Yes, sir. I don't know if you've got a chance to say. I think you did when um, Teddy and I discussed at length your um, victory against Ben Askren and how you kind of almost like lulled him into a sense of security initially with your hands behind your back leaned against the fence and Teddy did a whole breakdown of uh, comparing you to Jersey Joe Walcott which yeah, was quite I, the I compliment it. yeah it was it. I, I've been watching Teddy since I was a kid since like those HBO specials when he was cornering Michael Moore and getting him uh, all hyped up in between the rounds and stuff so seeing Teddy call my fights which I'm not a boxer was very humbling man it was it was freaking awesome man I, uh, it was my pleasure it was my honor to do it you're a fighter a real fighter. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, your business, you know, I have a lot of respect um, for you guys. I have respect for anybody who can walk out of that locker room, walk up those steps and get in the ring and face another man, you know, and face everything that goes with that. A lot of people are never going to know that. You know, your own insecurities, your own inhibitions, your own fears. You know, I left those guys who say, uh, you know, I'm not afraid of anybody, you know. A lot of those guys are guys with guns and gangs around them, and they say that take away all that stuff and nah, and that's and let's be human here. Let's be honest here. Let's be real here. Let's not be where we have the deck stacked in our advantage where we don't get tested. But you show me uh, a real fighter, any fighter, the greatest fighter, uh, and you show me a guy that says he doesn't feel fear. Um, I I'll tell you one of two things. I'll show you a liar. Or a guy that needs to go to a doctor <laughs> because there's something seriously wrong. Because the fear is there for a reason. It's been given to us by God, by by nature, whatever you want to believe in. I'm not forcing religion on anybody. But it's been put there to keep us alive, to allow us to face moments that are dangerous, moments that are difficult, moments that are serious. And without fear, we wouldn't get through a day. Yeah. You know, so... I have so much uh, respect for fights because they're dealing with that feeling without letting people know. A lot of people, they think they're born different. They think, oh, these guys must be born different. They must have became different. They, well, no, they didn't get in a spaceship and go to Mars, you know, and get hit with a ray gun. No, 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 that didn't happen. They feel the same way as you guys feel. They do something different. They control it. They live with it. They deal with it. They use it. They turn it into what they have to turn it into. And... Again, for you guys, all fighters in my sport, but in your sport, to be able to get out of that locker room with the toughest part is the imagination, the waiting, because that's where you can get attacked. 
That's where you can get freaking attacked. And to deal with that, and your attack is almost worse, to be quite honest, than the attack in my sport because there's more allowed in your sport. So to survive that attack with the ninjas coming at you over that wall in the locker room, walk that walk, get up those steps, get in the ring, and face a guy where he's completely trained like you are and where everything is allowed except very few things. You know, legs, kicking, elbows, uh, barely have gloves on. And to be able to face that and then have the skill sets to do what you have to do to deal with that in front of you and keep calm in a place that's full of fire. You know what? I, I take my hats off to you. Take your shirt. That means a lot coming from Mrs. Teddy, man. Can you talk to me a little bit about the uh, that Askren fight? Because I was at that fight. Um, Joe Rogan gave me tickets. He's a friend of mine from L.A. And uh, I was in the front row. And I, I, I will admit, I was like, Askren's wrestling is so good. I think he's going to grab a hold of him and wrestle him down. And when that thing ended, I was like everyone in the stadium, like, oh, my God, did that just happen? Is it over? That's what I was trying to get the, the, the reaction out of everybody. You got it. Yeah, that was my intention. Um, I, I, I know he's good at grappling. We were trained for a three-round fight to grapple hard. I just had a couple steps in place before he would get there, you know. I had I had um a couple of conclusions in my mind. I throw the knee and that happens. You know, I hit him in the chin or wherever I hit him with that knee, it's like a sniper shot for me. I wear a huge knee pad yep. and then another knee pad under in practice. And even then I pull my, my knees back when I throw them, when I, when I get that momentum. And whether I hit him in the shoulder, in the clavicle, in the rib, it's it's usually uh, they're down for the count. So one thing was wherever I hit him, I'm going to hurt him. I'm going to change the outcome of, of, of his body. Even if I don't hit him in the chin, I'll, just, I'll, I'll hurt him to where I can slow him down. The other one was that I miss. No big deal. And the other one was that I miss and get in a position that I'm compromising. But we drilled those a thousand times in every which way that I could have fallen and he could have got to a limb of mine's and, and tried to impose his game on me. We had drilled it a thousand times and then I had drilled it another 10,000 times in my head. So I was comfortable with all the scenarios. And once I was, man, it was just go out there and walk through that door and make it happen, you know? Well, I know that I know you had that planned because I had lunch with Dustin Poirier the day of the fight. And he said to me, don't miss the first few seconds. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, I don't want to say anything more. And after the thing, he goes, I didn't want to tell you. But he goes, that's exactly what he had planned. So for anyone who might not know, that was like game plan, right? That yeah. was exactly what you wanted to do. Yeah, we, we'd seen how he closed distance. We just, uh, me and my, my coaching staff weren't sure if it'd be the first, the second or the third round. Because I could do it on any one of those rounds. Yeah. We're going to have the same gap every time. Any one of those rounds, I could have done it. But by reading his body language all week and then reading his body language the day of the fight, I knew it. It was like, oh, this guy's going to bite no matter what. Happened. They could tell him right now, hey, his corner could have whispered, don't don't duck. He's going to fly and knee you. But he was so in the moment, and I could smell almost a fear off of him, too. So I know he was going to do what he's always resorted to, and that's sniffing crotches. So I took full <laughs> advantage of it, you know. Yeah, he was going to go for his strength. Yeah. You know, and, and you worked that as a weakness. Yeah. You know, because he became predictable. He was, no matter what, you said it well. He was going to go for his strength, which was his confidence was to get you on the ground. Yeah. To get close to you. And, and at all means, he was going to do that. At all know? means. And he's willing, he's the type of guy that was willing to compromise to his give health. give up something. Yeah, give up something, you know. But there's sometimes you can't give up something. You can't take one for one in this sport. You well, know? you can if you could get away with it, but you were prepared for that. You yeah. recognized you know, the steps. You recognize what it would take for him to get to you. 
and it would take him having to lean forward. And you you already, you know what that showed me? The thing I walked away with it uh, wasn't just your athleticism and you know your ability to do a flying knee, a flying kick, your, your freelance style, which is all good. And, and it's interesting, it's fun. It's good to watch. Like I used to say on ESPN, it's fan friendly. So it's it's a good thing. It means it'll make some money for you. And that's a good thing too, because the fans would like to watch that. But for me, it went back to to what I've been doing my whole life in this business. And what Customato, my mentor, used to always tell me, Teddy, if you can have a champion, you know, everybody could talk about how good his jab is, how good his footwork is, you know, how good his power is, all those things. But I tell you, today and you'll remember this tomorrow that a champion a real champion one of the things that he has to have his greatest strength his intellect i don't give a damn how good the other things are how many quick twitch fibers he's got in his muscles i don't care about his genetics and about all that other stuff but his intellect yeah that that he's got to be smart He's got to be, you show me a champion, I'll show you somebody who's smart. And a lot of people won't look at that. They'll say, oh, it's a guy who didn't go to school. Oh, it's a guy who's doing that because, you know, he couldn't do other things. No, it's because he can do that. Well, a lot of other people can't do that. But he also has an intellect to do it at that level. And that that fight showed me that. It showed me, yeah, it did. It, it, it reminded me of that. You brought me back to Cuss, where I said, yeah, this guy's smart. This guy, yeah, everybody's going to say he won it because of his knee. But I was saying to myself, no, he won it because he thought it out. Yeah. Because he was smart. And his body language is just so, uh, he's gonna, he's doing that no matter what I do, you know. We could have been holding a sign, flying knee coming, and the way he was <laughs> But acting. you still have to be calm enough, too, to to contain yourself, to do yeah, it. to sell it to him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to do it the right way. And, and even the little stuff that people might have missed, the little subtle stuff, the couple steps to the right first. You know, just to set it up so he wouldn't think you were coming straight at him yeah, right away. Exactly. You know, those are the things though that that regular people see and just go, man, that guy just runs fast and jumps high. You know, and nah, yeah. it's a little bit more than that. There's a lot of yeah. components that are moving. You know, yeah, it's a lot. And again, it's the mind that has to keep it all together and bring it all together. Yes, sir. And and to think of it, to be smart enough and calm enough in an uncalm environment to be able to execute it. You know, Jersey Joe Walcott used to do that. That's why, you know, I did the thing, uh, broke down your fight with Jersey Joe. You know, he would adjust his trunks and he yeah. would act like he was walking this way and then walking that way. And just to set something up to get you relaxed, to, to get you to relax just for a split second where maybe you get a little careless and then all of a sudden, bam, bam. Yeah, that was the highlight for me is the, the, the couple steps to the right. The hands behind the back, I've seen you do it before, but the couple steps to the side kind of, forced him to reset and before he knew it boom you were on him yeah you know what i want to ask you it just came to me i'm just thinking because kind of where i just went freelance i use that word freelance free spirit if you want right you know that that you're your own guy you're not traditional you're not conventional you know i, I don't pretend to know uh, a huge amount about mma i know about boxing but i know it's all fighting yeah and i and i know it's all overcoming yourself before you can overcome somebody else for a fact if, if the tempo isn't correct there's no there's you know, no winning there's nothing you got to be right with yourself first so when i see you and you know i look at you um i see a guy who's his own guy his own you know his own style freelance you know started with uh back 
backyard fighting, street fighting. Uh, that that's I don't know if I'm saying it properly, yeah. but basically started started with that and then developed from there. I had some high school wrestling yeah. background. You know, if I'm going to interview you, I'm going to try to know a little bit about you and do my job. Um, and you know, advance that, develop that, but always had your own little bit of style. So, you know who I thought about today when I was getting ready for this interview and I'm thinking about you and thinking about all that that I just said? I thought about somebody else who was his own guy, who was a creator, a, a guy that did it his own way, you know, walked to his own beat. A guy who was pretty good, a guy named Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. Yeah, I thought I'd about him. him. <laughs> I think so. I thought I thought about him because he wasn't conventional, you know. He, Super unconventional. He was uh, mixing martial arts together. Yeah, He's one of the founding fathers of mixed martial arts. What do you arts. think about that comparison? That makes some uh, sense. That's super duper flattering, especially coming from you, but. I never would have thought because he's such a revolutionary, you know. Yeah. For me, kind of the, the blueprint was laid out so then I, I could work off of it, but, for Bruce in that time the. To think like, man, he was a pioneer, pioneer. super pioneer. Yeah. And that's where you got to give a lot of credit to be able to to think so outside the box and go, my martial arts is good, but it's not the best. If you could master boxing and kickboxing, wrestling, you'd be the best, you know? That's that's insane, you know? Because I, I don't know if I was around those times, if I would have thought like that, maybe I just would have done one particular martial art and thought, no, this is the best, and then found out, no, nah, it's not the best. I you think know? your nature, your temperament is your temperament, it's your nature. I think your temperament, the little bit I know about you, your temperament is to pick up on things, to kind sure. of grab a little from here and a little from here, you know, and a little bit from uh, from here, from your experience. Yeah. And I again, I'll, I'll stick with it. I, I, I'm not saying that, you know, you started all this stuff like Bruce Lee did. I'm just saying that you're, you come from that kind of ilk. You're, you're, you're made of that kind of carbon, so to speak, that a guy who's going to, you might make up some stuff as you do it, that, that you, you might get in the ring and just say, hey, this makes sense, you know, to, to do a kick from this angle or, you know. But again, for me, Bruce Lee, besides the pioneer stuff and everything else, he, he, was, he was a guy who was creating it as he went and was free about everything. He wasn't locked in. Yeah. To me, you're not locked into one style. No, no, I'm I'm locked into winning the, whatever brings <laughs> me the most success. I remember I, uh, I when I first started MMA, I was just strictly boxing, getting as much boxing rounds as I could. And I was lucky that I was in Miami and, and we had a lot of Cuban nationals defecting over. So we had like Olympic champions, national champions, world champions coming through the gym and I would pick up as much boxing and I started realizing, man, I need to kick because when I'm punching, these guys start to know I'm good with the hands or kicking my legs out. Then I invested everything I had into Muay Thai and kickboxing and then I, I did the same thing with wrestling. I just kept submerging. Every time I'd find out, oh, this might give me a half a percent better, I'm going to dive into that and, and get as good as I can, you know, with the weight training as well, with, with strength and conditioning. If I just hear rumors that Man, I could get more endurance, more pop, more speed. We go and we do it, you know. Yeah, that's why I'm, I'm eager to ask Teddy some questions, man. I came here yes. ready to ask. <laughs> well, I know you train the who's who's from like good athletes to bad athletes. So, oh, let's say off season, right? How often your athletes, if you do redline them off season, I mean like you push them to the wall. Like how often would you do it in a day, like on an off season, if they don't have a fight? You know, how much physical conditioning are you? Are you demanding out of them? Rest is as important as work. 
Okay. You know, a lot of guys uh, get overtrained. A lot of guys get over. There's a lot of guys that get overtrained um, without even knowing it. Where and 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 listen to me when I say this, and tell me if you if this is familiar. Maybe in some ways it could be years ago. It could be any time in your life. But a lot of guys they'll be going to a fight and or they'll be going through training camp. You know, a certain part of the training camp, and they feel flat. They just feel flat. Yeah. Like, like, Jesus, I'm, I'm not, you know, they get mad at themselves. I, what's wrong with me? I got to motivate myself. I got to generate what I got to generate here. You know, I got to wake up. But no, your body is telling you you're flat for a reason, that maybe you ran too many days in a row. You know, and a lot of guys, a lot of the fighters, the only way they can connect confidence or equate in their mind being ready is to work. It's to work because they think anything else is cheating. So, they, you know, and, and we talked about fear before. Well, it works in a lot of ways. It, it doesn't have to be the fear that's, you know, that's paralyzing you. That guy, but just just a, just a doubt. There's a fear to doubt. Just a doubt. A lot of people say, oh, gee, I didn't know that. Anxiety. Yeah, I didn't know that that fell under the definition of fear. Oh, yeah, it does. So, so just a little bit of doubt that, gee, maybe I didn't do enough. Okay, yeah. I, I gotta, I'm going to go run 10 miles. Yeah. No, unless you're him, he's a marathon <laughs> runner. You know, that's what I would. Do. That that's okay. But if you're a fighter and you have the responsibility of doing all these other things and getting through a full camp, you do that. You're hurting yourself. So for me, part of it is is controlling that for a fighter, is is understanding that ahead of time before it happens to to read the fighter's mind because a lot of fighters ain't going to tell you that. So to understand what they're going through, understand the pressures they're dealing with. The fears in the in the different ways that it's attacking them, and not allowing them to think that there's a reason. There's a saying where less is more. Yeah, you know, there's a reason for it. I didn't learn that till later in life. And and there there is. So a lot of times, you know, you could be approaching the training. You could be you could have five weeks to go, three weeks to go, seven weeks to go, and. And you're feeling you're you're lagging. You're 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 not feeling right. And a lot of times you think I got to work harder, or I, I like I said, you got to shake myself up. No, you got to pull back. Maybe you maybe you've been running too much. Maybe you've sparred too many days in a row. So for me, my attention my attention is there. And as far as a, a, answering your question um, directly, if I do a a red line day where we're pushing it. We're pushing it. I mean, we're going to push it to that place. And usually when you guys push in boxing, what, how long would a session be? An hour, two hours? Yeah, not more because it's it's more dynamic sometimes. Then It doesn't have to be a marathon for three hours. You know, it can be an hour and a half. It can be a two-hour training period by the time you get through everything. But, the you know, the workout, uh, the bulk of the workout and the work might be just a little over an hour, hour and a half, somewhere in that vicinity. And... If I have a red line day, like you used the terminology, and we push to the cliff, all right, the, the next day, I'm pulling back. Okay. I'm pulling back. I'm, I, I don't want two of those days in a row. I'll pull back. And, and then, you know, let the body breathe a little bit, obviously let it regenerate itself, and then push again at the right time. And look at the calendar. How far away are we from the fight? Because we don't want to get ready too soon. Then what do you do? You still got three, four weeks on your hands. Yeah. What am I doing with that? Twiddling my thumbs? 
You know, I, I, I got all this time left, and I got them ready in a month, and I got a two-month camp. You're giving me flashbacks to uh, the training camp. <laughs> we just went through this for eight weeks with oh, yeah, uh, yeah, Alex Fosdick, and it was literally, that was the biggest, Teddy, one of his big concerns is I don't want him to look too good too soon. We want to peak at fight time. And that's where a lot of guys, you know, they they can, I don't know what the word is, they can fool themselves, or maybe maybe they just don't know what they don't know. But a lot of guys will go, oh, he looks so good. Oh, yeah. And I'll be like, um, the fight is in like five weeks. And you know what? If he keeps looking like this every day, he ain't going to look this good in five weeks. We've got to slow him down. you got to pull him back a little bit. So you you got to be able to, to register that. you got to be able to see that and feel that. Know when to push, when to pull. That fear you talked about is is relatable for me about you can overtrain out of fear. Like, I don't want to show sure. up and have a terrible day. I'm going to train so hard for that sure. I'm going to train the fear away. And then all of a sudden you're in a hole and at a disadvantage. Yeah, well, that's what happens. I mean, that's why all of a sudden a fighter take off and run 10 miles because he can only equate it and attach it to, to work. Yeah. You know, to say, I, I better do more work. Yeah. And not understand that part of it. You, you talk about it yourself. I mean... Have you been there? You you must have been there. Where oh you... yeah, yeah, for sure. That's uh, I I I had one year to step back away in uh in my sixteen years of pro fighting, and in that year I calculated a lot of times how I felt during camp, how I felt um off training camp, how my competition was, how when I got sometimes uh maybe I got like a twelve week training camp as opposed to like a seven week training camp, and I was already in shape and. Which one results. felt better? I'm going to jump right to it. It, it depends because sometimes I had 12 training camps, 12-week training camps against, let's say, like a striker, and, and striking kind of comes more naturally to me. The workload wasn't as heavy as like when I'm fighting a wrestler that I'm preparing yeah. for a wrestler. So like for the Ben Askren campus, we're bringing in a lot of good guys that are better wrestlers than me, and they're just beating me up every day, just me getting out of bad positions to get to my safe zone, which is, is going to be the striking. So that that puts a big wear and tear on my body, especially having these guys have been wrestling since they're seven, eight years old at a good. So that's gonna level. be a shorter camp then. Uh, uh, it still would be long, but we started. Um, I started changing the intensities of of the sessions. You know, we'd go maybe one hard one in the morning, and then a good nice technique session. Luckily, my my strength and conditioning coach has always been able to to taper me off, especially in the strength and conditioning. When I was young, I was a big knucklehead. Like, no, nah, we got to do more, man. I'm gonna go for a run. He'd be like, no, 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 you're good. No, That's where no, you no. get your confidence. Yeah, yeah, no, I gotta go for a run. I'm I'm feeling like we didn't do enough. Or I had a crappy practice. Now I just listen exactly to what he says. Like, no, we're we're good for the day. And he's one of those guys that rest is is good and. Sometimes less is a lot more, you know. So that's something we've been doing this year a lot. Like, and I'm 34, so once I hit the wall, the next day we know what to do. Get me back, maybe just a lot of drill, a lot of pads, and I'm done for that day, you know. And then the next day, get back to redlining it, pushing as hard as I can. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you learn with experience. Hopefully. Oh yeah, yeah. And not everybody. Does. I'm, I'm a stubborn guy, so it took me a lot of a lot of spills. That's why he's over there laughing because I'm <laughs> yeah. a stubborn guy, man. Uh, he's hearing this, I'm sure it's making a lot of sense yeah, to him. Yeah. You know, he's probably saying, yeah. Because, um, but again, he, you look, you got a guy who understands, understands the psychological part, why you, you want to do that. Yeah. Because, again, it's attached to a fighter thinking that, hey, what do I have? What, what, what do I have? I can't go in there with a bayonet. No. Can't go in there with a club. 
No. Can't go in there with a, a .30-06 rifle. <laughs> no. So what what can I go in there with? Strength, Training. Yeah. Training. Strength. Conditioning. And you're grabbing for that. The same way as somebody that's out in a war zone would be grabbing for bullets. Yeah. What would you grab yeah, that's for? A good, that's a great comparison analogy, yeah. Just throw more punches at the back because I've done it. I've got my butt kicked and sparring and that's it, man. I'll just stay hitting the bag 30, 40 minutes just taking out my frustrations in that bag, you know. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes, you know, I just overdid it and then the next day I would feel it and you're like, man, fuck, I'm extra tired now, you know. I'll make another analogy with something else that I'm sure you guys do or I would would think you do and maybe you didn't do it at one time but for me videotape is very important videotape and workouts and i'll tell you why because i used to do it with nobody videotape workouts nobody they didn't watch it they they didn't watch their sparring and um they didn't have any thought about watching their sparring and a lot of people think that well i'm making them watch the sparring or anyone would make them watch the sparring to see what they're doing wrong. But I'm doing it so they see what they're doing right. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times, and, and wrong, but a lot of times a fighter, the same thing, the fighter will only be able to when attach how he's doing with how he feels. He can't attach it because he don't see himself. So he's only attaching how he's doing to how he feels. And how's a fighter feel? He feels under duress, under pressure, I, you know, he he feels anxious. I mean, he's in he's in a, a, a he's in a fire zone. He's in a difficult place, a place that's not comfortable. So he attaches how he's doing. He can't see it. So he attaches how he's doing to how he feels, and how he feels is no indicator how he's really doing it. So the first thing when I would show fighters, they'd say, "Gee, I didn't know it was that good. I didn't know he was doing that good. I I thought I had a bad day today, because now you." Now, now you see it instead of just feeling it. Does that does that make oh, sense? That that's happened to me countless. Times. The first time I fought for a world title, um, I was fighting a guy that was well conditioned as well. My first time fighting five rounds as well, and the fight was supposed to play, take place in September. It ended up getting pushed back all the way to December, and I kept training with as much diesel as I had every month. No matter how much I get getting pushed back, my trainers at that time were, uh, it was a different group for the, not for my strength and conditioning, but for the guys in charge of the sparring and the grappling and stuff. And man, I, I didn't notice how much cardio, strength, speed, and power I had gained in that camp that I just didn't see it in the fight because I was constantly getting shark tanked. I would do 10 rounds and I would get uh, two guys for the first six rounds with Charles stand up the big gloves. I do three rounds with one guy, three rounds with another guy, and then four rounds of grappling. Two guys, two rounds with one guy, two rounds with another guy. And I just didn't notice, man, I'm in great shape. You know, I, I and when I got into the ring, there was moments where I just wasn't pulling the trigger. And those are like one of those moments that I thought back on them. Like, I can't believe I didn't notice the type of shape that I was in because I was just constantly getting pushed to that brink. And it wasn't one man. It wasn't me, just one guy that I could break. It was numerous guys, and I was getting broken probably more than, than I was breaking the guys. And I wasn't quitting practice or nothing like that ever, but I wasn't stopping these guys how I should have or I wasn't performing how I should have. So looking back, I go, what? why was I doing all that? You're Maybe undermining yourself, really. Yeah. Big time, when you said there, and it just made a lot of sense. Like, you don't see the strides you do in camp, and we weren't recording sparring sessions or nothing like that, so I never I never saw the strides I got. I didn't see it to the next camp that I got into it. I'm like, I'm in phenomenal shape, you know, I'm ready to go. Yeah, 
You, know, you need somebody like the guys you have to be those eyes yeah. that, that can tell you that, it, hey, it's okay. Yeah. You're there. You know, and, and it takes a while for a fighter to get the experience to to have the confidence to say, I don't have to do no more. Yeah. That, that's not easy to say. No, it's not. It's taking me a, a lifetime of work. Also, you know, like with the coaches, like you said, they, they got to know, you know, because especially in this age when you're a fighter, it's like you're a horse. You just got the blinders on. You're just going to go. I just show up to practice. I don't want to think about nothing. Just tell me what to do. We're going to run three miles and then some bag work and I'm done. Okay, that's what we're doing today. Or... You know, we're going for a two-hour session, and I'm doing something crazy. Just I get there, and the coaches tell me what they do. They evaluate that, and we go in. And my every oh, see since uh, I used to wrestle at a different gym, strength and conditioning at a different gym, pads at a different gym. In the early stages of my career, it was a little uncoordinated. Every coach you get to the practice, and they're wanting the most out of you. Yep. And as a fighter, you're just like, all right, let's let's do it. I'm going to give you everything I got. Oh man, you're a little bit slow today on the pads and the sparring. You look a little iffy. Well, sorry, man, you're right. I'll, I'll step it up next time. Well, in strength and conditioning, I had given it all I got. I did squats. I did pull-ups. I did a couple sprints at the end. Damn right I was in the same guy's sparring. You know, the other guy was just fresher sparring. The left day. hand didn't know what the right hand was doing. Exactly, yeah. And and now it's, my team is, is closer than ever. Everybody that has anything to do with my workouts, they're in talks all day. We went hard today in the morning, give them a break at night. You know, we're still going to go for a good drilling session or, or whatever it is that we're going to do, but everybody's in coordination, so there's no uh, burning me out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a big thing. A huge thing. I didn't I didn't know. When you're young, you're dumb. You're like, oh, I'll be I'll be all right, man. I'm a fighter. Self, I want to give a quick shout-out to our newest sponsor, Athletic Greens. And uh, again, like a lot of the other sponsors we've had on the show, this is someone that I reached out to myself. I use this product. I love it. It's the one thing that I always make sure I take. If there's one thing... When people ask me if there's one thing that you could tell me like that I should be taking in terms of health and fitness, it's Athletic Greens. It's like a daily vitamin in a drink form. Um, like I said, I reached out to them. I'm going to read you a couple of the bullets just because I want to make sure I give you the facts. And um, basically, this is the ultimate all-in-one supplement for the body with 75 vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients. It includes prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes, adaptogens, superfoods, and more. Go to athleticgreens.com forward slash atlas, and you'll get 20 free serving servings um, in the form of travel packs, which is what I use when I'm traveling. Can, no we, get tired. can I ask you about how you got involved with the uh, backyard fighting? Because, um, you know, in the early days of MMA and that backyard fighting, when it wasn't, it wasn't so visible... It was kind of shocking, especially the early days of MMA. It was just that the fights were one-sided, bloody. Yeah. I had a hard time watching. If it was on at night, I'd be like, I can't watch this. I won't be able to go to sleep. It's too troubling. And when I saw those backyard fights, and it never occurred to me that it was you. And someone was like, do you ever see him in those Kimball slice fights? And I said, no. And then I watched it. And I'm like, oh, I remember this kid with the ponytail, but you didn't have the beard. Can you talk about how you first got involved with that? And like, well, um uh Kimball Slice rest in peace was at the same gym that I was training at in Miami and they were kind enough to they, they'd see me working out and they're like hey you wanna you wanna fight and, <laughs> they uh, were kind enough to let you fight in their backyard in their no backyard <laughs> and th but he was already getting so much exposure so I was like wow I, man I can't believe this dude would even ask me you know to to fight there and it came about and uh they said yeah we'll be in contact and then they called me like three weeks before the actual fight. Hey, you still want to fight? And I was like, hell yeah, man. 
They called me like three weeks later. They're like, hey, we got to fight for you. I was like, all right, let's do it. And and that was the first one. And really, I, my goal was in the street fight, but I just wanted the competition. I just wanted to get out there and compete. I knew that th this was my final goal, to be competing for the biggest titles in my sport that I could possibly get my hands on. So that was always my ultimate goal. I just knew that the backyard fights would be a stepping stone to that, you know, to point in that right direction. And uh, and I did them. It was fun. It was it was a, just competition, you know. And it was so you started out there, and then how quickly did you evolve into um, like? Did you have some amateur boxing matches, or did you go straight into MMA? No, I went uh, straight into MMA. I, there was a mix-up. My boxing trainer didn't quite know the rules for for the um, uh, amateur boxing and pro MMA work. He's like, "Yeah, you could do pro MMA." And you can still do amateur boxing. It's one thing has nothing to do with the other. So I did my first pro fight, MMA. I tried to do amateur boxing, and they said, if you can, you can't go back to pro MMA because you already got a pro one. But since I only had one fight, they were willing to like let it go and then mm -hmm. come into amateur boxing. And I think I got paid uh, $1,000 my first pro MMA fight. And my beginnings were very humble, so I was like, I can't pass this up. If I keep getting $1,000 for a fight, this is the way to go. I kept doing it, and sometime down the road, maybe like, uh, I don't know, I want to say like eight or nine pro um, MMA fights out for me, a boxing fight. But the boxing fight, you know how it is in the beginning. They don't pay you nothing in the beginning. I was already <laughs> making a little bit of money in MMA. So I did one amateur, um, one pro boxing fight. The pay wasn't much, you know, so I just I sucked at MMA. But my first love was probably boxing, man. Right around like eight, nine years old is when I saw it on TV and I was paralyzed. Like, whoa, what the fuck is this? You know? <laughs> it's funny that you were paralyzed and were like, I got to do that. And I saw it and was like, this must could possibly be the scariest thing I've ever seen. No, Getting I, in a cage and fighting essentially. To I the saw it and, looked like. and everything like made sense. You know, like, wow, this this is amazing. I, I'd see sports and it just, it didn't call to me. It didn't, I, yeah. I didn't understand it. I just, I couldn't relate with them you know but as soon as i saw boxing i saw wrestling paralyzed you know yeah so just from what you just said would it just jumping around to this fight that's coming up with ds um would it be would i be right to say that going into the fight we're not trying to give away none but obviously but going into this fight as far as strategy approach that you'd want to be mostly standing up more than you'd want to be yeah. near the mat, right? I mean, yeah, for yeah. a fact, you know. Yeah. And in uh, in my sport, especially the grapplers, that you could make money, but if you really want to cross on over, you got to knock people out and you got to do it in a violent way. You know, there's a reason Mike Tyson captivated the world, you know. He could capture everybody's attention span because he, he, especially when he was in his prime, he's just getting the people out of there and that's what people want to see. They mm -hmm. don't... The casual fan doesn't have enough time to notice the sidestep to the right, the little pause, and then the switch of speed. They don't have; they just want to see pure violence and quick. You know, you gave them both. Yeah, <laughs> so that's that that's that's the formula, pretty much. You know, it's just end guys. You know, without giving out too much, I, I will take guys down, but it just sets up bigger shots. And if I take them down, I'm usually trying to work an elbow, punch him in the face, wear him out. You know, so when we get back to the feet, I could I could hurt him maybe a little easier. So specifically. For this fight with Diaz, I would think that you know his background is a little bit more with the jujitsu, with the uh -huh. on the floor that he would be comfortable. That you would feel that you have an edge to, you want to stay on your feet, yeah, and, and do as much yeah. striking as you can. For a fact, um, this is mainly primarily boxing. He relies a lot on his boxing and and his jujitsu. 
I like to, like I said earlier, man, I, I fell in love with boxing and I fell in love with Muay Thai kicking. I, I try to do it all, you know. I'm gonna, I bring every every weapon that I have in my body that Bruce I can Lee. use. Bruce Lee. Every <laughs> weapon in the body that's legal to use, I'm going to use it, you know. Elbows. Angles. Yeah, angles, angles, too. I mean, to set up those things. Oh, you have to. Yeah. You know, be able to slip, get off center line, go to the body, go to the head, fake, make distance. He covers that distance. I close the distance. It's Setting traps. Setting traps. It's just... It's a beautiful chess game. You yeah. Know, you know yeah, better it than anybody. It's one of the funnest chess games well, you can is. play. It's uh, painful chess, but it's yeah. Uh, chess. Yeah. It, it, it is. The stakes it's, are high, but yeah. I love it. Yeah. The it, decisions are made in split seconds, and, you know, the agonies, it hurts. And if you win, it's like the greatest thing in the world, the best drug you could ever taste. You know, it's it's, it's uncomparable. Worth, it's worth uh, the agony. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. worth the life of sacrifice at training camp. The little bumps and bruises you you get along the way, I think yeah. that victory getting your hand raised makes it all. For, you forget about it. Those 12 weeks you were in the gym getting your ass kicked, waking up at 6 in the morning to get your road work in, going to sleep at 10 o'clock at night because that's what your demand. Sure. Yeah. It, it makes it all worth it, man. Without you see a, what you said a minute ago? Just prove my point. You know, your greatest, your greatest asset. Your intellect, because yeah, you sure. you use the word chess. Yes, sir. You know, I don't. Oh, it's chess all day. I man. don't see a lot of dummies playing chess. No, you know, no, no. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's about thinking. It's about setting up. You yeah. just, you know, it's not or, just about having a good high kick or big knees yeah. or you know or or fast hands. No, knowing when to use them. Uh, yeah. in my in my previous fight in England, um, I kind of had to be like the matador. The guy was a little bigger than me naturally a bigger guy good punching power so i had to wait for my shot i kept sending him up with other little shots and once i saw oh, i got you put the checkmate on him so i felt like i was the the matador in that fight the whole fight until i got the last blow in the ben fight i was just the bull you know because i i knew what i had you know i knew i had to just get after him right away and, and dictate the pace on him you know whether that knee hit or not i knew i had to open it like that so he it also be in the back of his mind if i just go reckless shooting in there it could be over at any moment so i i felt like you know i had to be the bull for this fight it's going to be a combination of the bull and the bull fighter what what fighter in boxing uh has had the biggest impression or or influence on you that you've watched and that you admired um, two guys without a doubt that I loved always and always when I come across great minds like you I inquire about them Roberto uh, Duran and Sweet Pea Pernell Whitaker um, Sabado Sanchez is a beast too Sugar Ray Leonard love that guy Chavez for that grit you know just like a tank man uh, let me see who else I'm impressed with your uh, boxing background and knowledge. We were talking, you guys were talking off camera before we started. Just um, Teddy's like an encyclopedia of boxing. Yeah. I was shocked at how well you were able to keep pace with him, talking about Sam Langford and some of the old greats. That was uh, a student of the game for sure. Boxing was my first love, without a doubt. You know. So who influenced you the most? If there's somebody you watched and said, you know what, I'm going to watch this guy. Okay, somebody that I drew a lot of inspiration from, yeah. Duran, for a fact. And, yeah. and Pernell Whitaker as well, just because in, in boxing you really get to see it. Because in MMA, 
judges are are weird. I, I don't want to disrespect them and say they're un uneducated, but in boxing, they like boxing judges because judge boxing judges uh, ain't no uh, <laughs> walk in the park. You're right, but there is good ones that are educated. They can see a fighter going backwards and know that the guy's winning. Just because he's going backwards doesn't mean he's losing. That's and right. MMA, they don't really award that well. You know, you could be landing three to one on the guy, but he's going backwards. They're like, nah, the other guy's controlling the ring. If you're eating the shots and you're taking the damage, you can keep the ring control. You're, you're, you're losing, you know? Yeah, that's That's ring generalship. Yeah, and in MMA, it's, it's hard to win fights going back. So that's one thing in boxing. I would love to see guys with a good set of defense you know like Pernell they could just take your offense away completely and just jab you to death and then work your body and then get in your face make you miss and just make guys not even want to throw at him no more but Duran was always my favorite just because he's a fucking animal man you know what Duran Duran was an aggressive boxer yeah a lot of people didn't appreciate how good he was defensively because he was aggressive but he still did what mattered he made you miss yeah you know, whether you make a miss, you made a good point. Going backwards, sideways, or forward, you're boxing. Yeah. As long as that's what you're doing. Yeah. You make he made you miss, but he was going forward, but he made you miss. But he made you miss. Yeah. And, and then he, he could tie you up in the inside, uh, tie one arm up, work you over, spin you around, turn make you pivot. Little. Oh. And he had great eyes. Yeah. You know, as part the of the radar. calmness. Yeah, radar. I mean, he would see your right hand coming and just ride with it. Yeah. You know, just ride with it. And then return fire. Bam, yeah, bam, bam. yeah, come right back. I mean, what he did, uh, who was it, the guy that he knocked out at 160? I'm forgetting his name right now. I've been hitting the head too much. Um, no, 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 no. <laughs> the black dude uh, uh, at 160. He won the title here in New York. Yeah. Oh, David Moore? David Moore. Yeah. Right? I mean, wow. To so the garden. Yeah. To come back after after the no mas and everybody was like, ah, he's That's on his true. way out. And then do what he did. It just, that right there was inspiration for me. Like, man. Wow, you know, you could do it. You could be at rock bottom and you could come right out of that grave and, and do amazing things if your mind is right, if you're ready for it, you know? Yeah, you're right. Durant was special, yeah. you know. Sweet Pea was special too. Yeah. Like you said, different style, you know. Yeah. He, he would take your offense and he would turn it into offense for him. Yeah. <laughs> he would he would he would turn it into offense for him. He would take your offense, make you miss, and then take advantage of those misses. He'd use your aggression against you. Yeah. And it's amazing to to see that beautiful display of artwork. I, that's art I think in its highest levels in our sport, you know, in combat sports. Amazing. You know, I remember uh I didn't see it live, obviously, but I saw Pernell when he when he won the gold medal against the Cuban, and the Cuban was a stud, man. And just the way that he get him to bite on feints, the Cuban would come forward and hit him with like three punches, spin him around. I just loved it. And I fell in love with it. I was like, wow, this this dude. So I would try to imitate a lot of those moves at the gyms, practice the feints, the spin off, spin off the check hook, all those things. And since a kid, I've just been drawn to it. It's like guys that like basketball, they're looking at Kobe, how he does the crossover, or whatever. Fighting was my thing. They're just like, whoa, you know? You know, the old timers would say, like, when you just talked about how you were affected and how you were uh, noticed the faints, you know, how, how that caught your attention. The old timers would say that a guy could faint somebody and make him go down and tie his shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard that one. Yeah, you. you know? And but that's that's kind of you get the idea because when you paint a guy the right distance the right way and you make it real and you sell it, 
You, you make the guy tie his shoes. You, you make him jump out of his pants. You yes, make sir. him get out of his skin. You make him get out of position. Yes, sir, because now when you don't know when it's coming, when that gun's going to finally blast, ah, that's, that's one thing I learned about boxing at an early age, feints, fake footwork movement, that game of you don't never know when I'm coming. It's not always the fastest guy. It's, it's that guy that's thinking, breathing, good fake, and then followed by a good one, too, or something like that. I love it, man. Is Diaz a more stationary, right in front of you sort of bull? You know, for a fact. Yeah. For yeah. a fact. He's, uh, I mean, they, they have nicknames for him, like the zombie and things like that. Yeah. He He's a dog, but sure. he relies more on his willpower to just one break dimensional. your will. Yeah. yeah, just come forward, high volume of punches, maybe eat some in, the, in the, the beginning, willing to take some punches and give out as much punishment as he can. Can I give you one for him? Just yes, one thing? Knock on, yeah. the, knock on the front door, come in the side. Okay, I like that. <laughs> He'll have I to show you that, that move when we get off camera. It's, uh, no, no, he <laughs> understands it right away. All I, I have to I do, do is say it. He understands it. Yeah, just make sure your distance is right when you do it. Yes, sir. Give yourself the right space. No, we're going to, when the camera's off, you're going to show me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> to make sure that I got the uh, right read on it. Yeah, no yes, problem. Be, yeah. be my pleasure. He can be a little deceptive, Diaz. I feel like he kind of stands there, almost looks like, doop, 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 I'm just going to exchange, but he's like deceptively dangerous. Yeah. Like sometimes I'm like, how is this guy winning the fight? He doesn't, he's not slipping, he's not fainting. He's just like almost throwing slaps at times. Yeah, yeah. I like watching lie, him yeah. fight. And, yeah. and, and one of the things I've enjoyed in the buildup to this is the respect between the two of you because he's not respectful towards anyone. He's get plays games with everyone. But with you, I think he realized... No sense talking shit. This guy's tough. I'm tough. Hey, let's just do this. And yeah. it's been, I've enjoyed this one, man. I'm, this got to be the most anticipated fight of the year for the UFC. Yeah, yeah, they've been they've been saying that a lot in the UFC. The UFC's pumped. The fans are pumped because I, man, I, when, I, when I fight somebody or I say, I want to fight so-and-so, it doesn't come from a bad place, you know? Like if I was like around. Like your backyard fights. There yeah, was no bad blood. Just, yeah, hey, yeah. let's do this. Okay, we'll yeah, be friends yeah. after. It, just, I, I want to I fight the best guys in my weight class. I want to fight the ones that they say are unbeatable. I want to fight those guys, and that's why I got into the sport. That's why a guy like Michael Jordan would go out there and, and do what he would do because he wanted to be the best. I want to be the best. It doesn't you, come you want to have a legacy. I want to have a legacy, you know, untainted legacy, no steroids, never cheated, and I beat the best, and that that's what I've set out to do since I started this sport. So that's I, one I don't things. need to do it from, like, a bad place. You know, there's guys that I've had problems with you know never on a personal level but just guys that you know they try a little bit too hard to settle fight but for the most part i just like what i do one of the things that i admire about you and and a, and a lot of mma fighters is that you can have a loss in mma and come back stronger i mean what's your record right now uh as a pro 34 35 and 13 35 and 13 you're in with 13 losses if a boxer had 13 losses he would be lucky to get on a card you're headlining at madison square garden in probably the biggest fight of the year it just shows the kind of will and determination you have to have to be like that's all right i don't have to win every round of a fight to win the fight just like you don't have to win every fight you're in like teddy always says sometimes you get better from the losses make you better in the long run yeah and to me you be, seem like one of those fighters who I mean, I've watched MMA for years in the UFC, and it was like, I knew your name, but lately in the last few years, every time you're fighting now, and it's like, I have no bias towards anyone, but I'm like, oh, this kid's fighting, oh, this is must-see TV, this guy is entertaining. Like Nate Diaz, same thing, even if people love to hate him, they tune in because they know they're going to get you're entertained, gonna get you're going to get worse. a guy fighting. Yeah. And now you got two guys that, 
I got 13 losses, but my will's never been broken. Sometimes nope. I didn't have the, the best strategy or, or I wasn't familiar in a position because there's a lot of a lot of variables in the fighting. You know, sometimes you might fight a guy that just he's hugging your leg and he's good at it and you're not you're not getting off, you yep. know. But you go and you learn from those mistakes, but my will's never been in question. I've never just taken a back seat to somebody got punched and I said, Oh, you got the fight, you won, I'm just gonna be like a game quitter. No, that's that's never happened. I've I've chosen wrong strategies and things like that, but I've, I've progressed through that, you know. That's why I think people cheer for me hard when I go compete because I'm gonna give everything I got inside me. It's interesting that you use that terminology because that's a word, that's a term Teddy would use as a yeah, game I've heard, quitter. I've heard Teddy say that. You know, I would I would say for what you were just touching on with the losses, the 13 losses, I would say it different. I would say you were a work in progress. Yes, that, sir. That it was it was all part of your journey, all part of your learning because you didn't have a big amateur background yeah well in mma the the amateur wasn't really a thing to no, do you know so you kind no. of learn on the job I mean, and you didn't have a boxing background with amateur fights you know some no. of these guys come in they might have had some amateur fights you know they might have more of a background yeah. uh in a conventional sense and you didn't have that so you were learning on the job yes sir and you know what for with, a fact yeah for a fact so for me that's where I chalk up those 13. Those 13 might as well be wins because without them, you don't get here. Yes, sir. That's without a doubt. Uh, that's where you were, that's where you were yeah. making your bones. That's where you were learning. Yes, sir. You know, that's, again, you were work in progress. That, that was your amateur background. That, that was your training fields. Oh, yeah. You know, and almost like you get your sparring in front of the public. Yeah. Yeah. In so, the old days, you know, the throwback, you were a throwback in a way. Just talking about this because. You, when you came in and we were off camera, you were talking, asking me about some of the all-time fighters that I have a lot of admiration for back in the 20s to 30s. These were guys that had 300 fights. That's insane. Man. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And different times, you know, more clubs, more action, more availability, uh, everything uh, to, to be able to have that. You won't have that. Would, would these champions make a living off of it? Would they, were they good at it? I mean, once they got to... Tough, but they were fighting enough where they didn't get paid a lot, but they were fighting so often, you know, they, they were making money. But the top guys, when they got to the top, they made money. Okay, but not right. everything's relative, not compared to what obviously today is. Same thing as the baseball players, the football players, the baseball players. They're, those guys were great. Willie Mays, Mickey Mantle, you know, Babe Ruth, all, all these guys, Hank Aaron. But they weren't making a fraction of the money they make today. And mm. they were just as good. Some of them were better. Uh, they were better than a lot of guys, too, in some ways. But And it was harder for them. They weren't flying on... Uh, you know, on jet planes, they weren't. They weren't flying on charters, trains, and horses. Yeah, yeah. And and Jack Dempsey, you want to hear this one? Jack Dempsey, the great Jack Dempsey, who was heavyweight champ. He he was, he was so poor. He was a hobo, but it was a nicer way to, I guess, to say a homeless guy. Some people would just be raw about it and say a bum, but um, but he he was living out in the parks and stuff. He was a hobo. He would carry his clothes on a stick, and. The way he would get to a fight was he would ride the rails. He would ride underneath the train. And you could get killed very easily doing that. He would ride underneath the train on the That's rails right. to get to the next because he couldn't pay for the train. And how would guys like that train like uh, keep a con constant schedule? Yeah, I mean, listen, it was a lot different than it is today. They didn't have the availability of things that they have today. But um, as they got better, they obviously they were able to have better conditions. But they, they did the basic training, you know. They, they might be training outdoors. A lot of those guys, they would hang a bag on a tree. <laughs> and just go. <laughs> and, and you just know, road work Yeah, well. do road work. And, you know, you'd have a ring set up, you know, outdoors. And, um, 
and you would have uh, obviously gyms indoors, but and there might be uh, that that bag might be filled of sand instead of filled of uh, the proper materials, you know that it is today. Uh, and but they would do the basic stuff, and and then it was obviously about being a pro, about what's a pro, a guy who can control his emotions, no matter how he feels, you know, uh, no matter what's happened around him, that he can still get the job done without being impaired by by outside influences. That's a real pro. That no matter what's happened, you had a fight with your wife, or uh, mm-hmm. God forbid something happened in your family, uh, things are going bad in your life. But when it came down to what you had to do, that was all blocked out. You were a pro. This is what, and you know why there were more pros in those days? For me, more urgency, less options, Ooh. less choices. Ooh. Because you had no choice. Be a pro, get the frick out of here. <laughs> Nowadays, in some ways, good is bad. You, yeah. have, you have too many choices, too many options. Everybody's got, everybody's a, got an opinion. Every, everybody's got an option. Oh, it's okay. If you don't make it, we, we can do that. Or there were less excuses back then because nobody wanted to hear them. It's <laughs> 100% true. You know? So since we're touching on the mental domain, you, when we were off camera, I said to you, I want you to pick it up. I said to you, you know, for me, in my business, the mental part is 75% of it. And um, what do you feel? I think you said maybe more. Yeah, it could be everything because, I mean, I I know personally I wake up sometimes and I'm like, man, I I don't want to run. I don't feel like running today for whatever reason. I sparred the night before, my ankle sore, I'm just being a punk and I don't want to run. And I go running and now that workout just doesn't go good. I've woken up other days where I have the same injury and maybe my motivation is, is not there, but you know, maybe my daughter sends me a text message or something or just something that motivates me on the way to that track and field. And I feel the same way that I felt before, but I, I put the right thoughts in my body. I put a lot of positivity in my body and I, I know my body better than anybody else, and I do great that day in running. And it's all it was all in my mind because I, I felt the same depleted way. Like man, I just I don't want to run today. I, I'm just beat up. I'm I don't want to run today. But just something happens on the way there. Whether it be you know I'll take a negative and make it into a positive. Somebody cut me off. I don't want to kill him. And I'm like man, I'm gonna take this <laughs> on the track and field. Or I'm just able to put enough positive thoughts in my head like. If I do well in this run, if I could just push this run with everything I got, forget about the next work. I'm just going to give it everything I got in this workout and see what happens. And it's crazy. And you can't lie to the clock. You can't lie to the time. And, and I've been there many times. And the more I look back and go, goodness, man, it should, no matter how I feel, this is, should be how I'd run, you know? And and that I take it into everything, into my sparring session, technique session, wrestling session, anything that I do. So I, to me, the mind is everything. When was the first time you beat a guy? This is a tough question, but it's a simple question. Especially and an honest question for an honest guy, for a real fighter. When's the first time that you beat a fighter that was better than you? And you he was supposed to beat you. He was supposed to beat you. He was better. He was more experienced. He was better in certain areas. Whatever. Sparring. Uh, he, no, in, in, in the pros, in a fight. where, But you beat him for one reason. Because of the mental part, because you were a pro and he wasn't. Man, I, 
Well, my trainers back then would say uh, my first one because it was kind of a fluke. I, I fought a guy that uh, had, a, I don't know, close to a 500 record, but he had f maybe 30 pro fights, and he had like 15 wins, 15 losses, something crazy like that. I don't remember exactly. I got to look it up. And I needed money. His opponent fell through, and they were asking another guy in the gym, hey, do you want to take so-and-so, you know? And uh, I heard the pay, which I mentioned earlier, was like a thousand bucks. I couldn't believe it. You guys are gonna pay a thousand bucks to fight somebody? And they're like, yeah. I was like, I'll take it. And I just turned 18. I'll take it. They're like, no, no, no. Wait up, man. You, you get some amateur fights first. This guy's a little bit experienced. I go, let me see the video on him. Let me see him. Is he a striker or a grappler? Let me see if I could, if it's even the realm of possibility. I saw like two minutes of it, and something just told me, take it, man. You got it. I ended up catching him. He took me down. I was able to scramble up. I was pretty feisty always. I think I hit him with a jab, like clean, and I was able to put him away. But that fight, my the the people that were with me at the time would always say, like, man, you probably shouldn't have won that one. You know, you got a little lucky there. Maybe, or maybe it was just my firm belief, like, nah, I, I, you I are got lucky. it, you know. You are lucky. Yeah, no, I, I don't think I was no, lucky. No, no, but, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying that the proof to the pudding. Yeah. You know, you you beat him because of that part. The next guy I fought was a was a two and old guy, so I felt like I'm I'm better than this guy. I beat a guy that already had twenty something fights. I got you, man. Yeah. You know, he had over ten wins at least. I remember, and and all the coaching staff was like, we don't think you should do this. But me being a knucklehead, I was like, nah, I, I got him, man. Trust me, guys, I got this. I got something special. <laughs> it's funny guy. how nature helps us, right? Yeah. How we can use, we could take something and use it. Like you took that win, and you used that for confidence that I'll beat this guy. Yeah. That's all you need. Mm -hmm. Who it's, was 2-0? Oh, where yeah. someone else might be like, oh my God, this guy won his first two fights. He might be a killer. But in your mind, you're like, I already beat a guy with 10 fights. But you took that and you used it. You know, just like somebody might take a raft to get over a lake. Yeah. And say, I use this. It'll get me over this, this lake. Yes, sir. Just like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that over and over in sparring too, you build that, that character sometimes. You go with a guy that was considerably more experience and stuff and and i'd pull away even if i lost or or i didn't do that great but i pulled away with man i pulled out that one technique i've been drilling all day that i seen that heavyweight dude do on the bag I, I pulled it off today man if i could just keep repeating that who knows what could happen and then next week will come and then i hit him two three times with that technique and i'd blow my own mind i'd be like man the ball's moving in the right way you know the the snowball effect is taking place have you fought the garden before Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I fought there two years ago. Headline? No, no, no. I was uh, I was in the main card, maybe the second or third fight in. Do you have card. moments now where in the build up to this fight where you lay in bed or just have a moment where you're like, holy shit, I'm headlining MSG, biggest fight of the year. Man, Do you I, ever take a minute to appreciate, like, forget the f the thoughts of the fight itself, but just to appreciate the magnitude of what you've accomplished? Like, I'm headlining at Madison Square Garden, Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson. Like, take your pick of the guys who have fought there. I can't. I, after the fight, I do that for a while. I, I, <laughs> I love to do that, but after the fight, before the fight, like, uh, if I'm fighting somebody from across the pond or somebody in another planet that I got to get in a spaceship, I, I just think to myself, man, it's, it's a fight. You know, yep. and all I think about this is, is a fight. Like what you just said right now, I already race it out of my mind. You know, because yeah. if I if I let this moment get to me, if I start thinking, wow, all, all this that I could do, you know, and I'm hearing rumors that Mr. President Trump is going to be and all this stuff. Nah, I don't even worry about that. I just 
I just keep telling myself, it's just a fight, man. It's, it's what I was made to do. It's what God intended me for. <laughs> and it's all I've ever done my whole life. So I'm, I'm, I'm just going to do that fight. Then after, you know, that's the first thing that I'm thinking. Like when I broke the record, it didn't hit me to like maybe three hours later that we were in my <clears throat> hotel room and a couple of my buddies, uh, one of them was watching like an old fight mm. and seeing that old fight because it, it wasn't in black and white, but it was like when the UFC didn't have as many rules, it hit me like, oh, snap. I have the record. I, I'm I'm the fastest dude in 25 years since I've been watching this. I got the record over all these animals and beasts, and that's when it truly hit me, you know. And I usually do my fights like that. I'll let it hit me afterwards. And you beat an undefeated guy who most people yeah. regard as one of the best. Yeah, yeah, it was unbelievable. Yes, sir. Thank you. Well, listen, we want to be sensitive to your time, but I know you mentioned you had a bunch of questions that you wanted to ask Teddy. So, if there's any more boxing questions you want to get out before we wrap it up. Um, let him fly. I know you asked a lot before we got started here today, but if there's anything else, what, what do you rank Pacquiao? Oh, he's great. You know, first of all, the first thing I say about Pacquiao, one of the greatest combinations of pure speed and power wow. ever. Endurance that I, so. and endurance, yes. Um, athletically, he, he's 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 quite a quite a guy athletically. One of the, I say it again, physically, forget about all the other stuff, but and mentally, of course where he came from. I don't think it's any accident yeah. that he behaves the way he behaves when you look that he came from the Philippines where he grew up with a in a house that had a dirt floor. Yeah. Okay, let's get right to it. And that stays with you. Yeah. Uh, you know what? He's uh, a wild animal. When you got to go to a dark place, you know what? You have a flashlight. <laughs> you have a flashlight. Well, other people don't have a flashlight. I think you have a flashlight. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I do. And... um. And he had that flashlight yeah. to go along with the great, one of the greatest combinations of pure speed, power, endurance uh, that I've ever seen. Uh, and on top of it, he was a southpaw, you know, which which wow. didn't make things easier for people. So an underrated defense as well. Not too many people. Yeah, yeah, moving his head and seeing things and reflexes and yes being aggressive like a Duran to a certain extent Ooh, I was just going to ask you at 35 Duran Pernell Pacquiao they have a little tournament who comes out the victor um, that ain't easy that's yeah. a tough one uh, it's they, hard they, for me they could all go either way I yeah I, it's hard for me it's hard for me to go against Duran when he was a lightweight yeah. when he was at his best he was pretty damn good. He was a good combination of power, offense, and defense. Obviously, in an envelope that was aggressive envelope, but um, and and obviously he had the mental part to go with it. Uh, Pacquiao, again, you can make an argument if you want uh, for Pacquiao too, and Pinel, Pinel, great defensively, uh, but I don't. I would put Duran a little ahead in that fight. Yeah. Um, and I would make it really more of a toss-up, taking nothing away from Sweet Pea because I love him, uh, more of a toss-up uh, with, with Pacquiao. But at the end of the day, I got to go with uh, Roberto. Yeah, I go with Roberto too. That's, it's not easy, that's though. Like, that's You picked yeah. a tough, tough. No, because Roberto also didn't do the greatest with Southpaws, so there's a couple of Southpaws that gave him trouble, and Pacquiao's one of the best Southpaws. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, let me see. Tommy Hearns and Pacquiao. At forty-seven, hers oh, was so fight. big that so size. Big. That size becomes a problem. Yeah, it, it becomes a problem. They get nullify a lot of the athleticism package. It's just he's giving up so much weight at that. I mean, point. look what Hearns did. You know, 
look what he did with Pepino Cuevas, you know, who was just a strong guy in Mexican. That's who he won his title from because that's where he could just use the size and his power yeah. because Pepino was, was just too much of a plain bull, you know, and, and there was no versatility to him. Uh, but Pacquiao's a different animal. He's a whole different thing. But that size, that size would be a problem. But if Pacquiao could get close, then he could give Hearns some problems because Hearns, and this is going to shock some people, and I can't help it if it does, but Hearns, when you when you talk about Hearns, Leonard, Hagler, you know, those those kind of guys, I'm going to throw Hagler in there, even though he's a little heavier, he was a middleweight, but Hearns fought Hagler, of course, and sort of Leonard late in his career. But when you throw those kind of guys together, the edge that, forget about the athleticism, forget about the power, the speed, the, the technique, uh, I think that Hagler and Leonard had an edge on Hearns in the mental department. Yeah. They were tougher. I hate, and I'm taking nothing away from the hitman. Nothing away from the hitman. You people want to hate out there? Go hate. Go go do what you got to do and get rid of that energy and come back and talk to me. But, you know, <laughs> but I'm just telling you in my business that he wasn't, through a lot of his early career, Hearns wasn't mentally as together as those guys were. Yeah. Later on in his career, when, when he fought Leonard the second time, they were both past their primes, way past. I thought he got robbed in that draw. I thought he actually beat Leonard. Uh, and he showed his stoutness, a toughness mentally that night, more than he had shown earlier in his career, quite frankly. Uh, you know, he really did. But as far as at their primes, I, I remember there was a fighter named Harold Weston uh, on, on Hearns' way up. And Harold Weston wasn't a marquee name. He wasn't an Olympian. He wasn't any of these things. You know, he wasn't a guy who had neon talent. And he said, oh, my God, like you said, when you saw Sugar Ray, anything like that. But you know what he was? He was a solid, steady guy. And you know what? That, that is a quality. Yeah. That's a talent. Being steady. You talked about it earlier. I was listening to you. I was saying, does he even know what he's, that he realizes he's saying, talking about talent here? You know, it, it's, it doesn't have to equate. It doesn't have to equate with power or speed or any of those kind of abilities that, that we jump at and we say, oh, gee, we got to have that. But what about being dependable as a human being and being dependable as a fighter? If you're dependable as a human being, you're a good friend. And, and we love it. We say, oh, he's my friend. These other people are my friend. He's dependable. I could trust him. He's loyal. I could depend on him. He has stand up. Well, it's the same thing in the freaking ring. The quality of being dependable, being steady. Always showing up for work. Yeah, always showing up. Not making excuses. Not disappearing when it when it's a bad time to disappear. Harold Weston had that quality when he was gone. He didn't have the other things that something. And he was in a fight. On it was on network, and it was with Hearns, undefeated Hearns. And I think he was gonna win that fight. But he got a detached retina in that fight. His eye closed up. They stopped the fight. And nobody's ever going to think about it. Maybe they will a little bit that I talked about it a little bit here. But nobody thought about it because Hearns went on to have a great career. And, you know, and, and Weston only went to a certain point, And that was the end of it. But if he doesn't get that detached retina, if his eye doesn't. And listen, it's a big if. Because the great ones always get something goes right in that one fight 
where it could go this way or go that way. It goes Ali that versus, way. Versus uh, the English dude, uh, uh, Cooper. That, yeah, Cooper. That he got dropped with the left. Yeah, yeah. yeah, something just goes right for them. They get a little. He goes back to a corner. All of a sudden, Presto, there's a tear in his glove. He gets a little extra time. <laughs> oh, where'd that come from? <laughs> Whatever. Maybe the great trainer Angelo Dundee. Maybe, maybe. But something just goes right because. It was destiny. Yeah. It was meant for that guy to be great. Yeah. And it was meant for Hearns to go on and wasn't meant for, for Weston to go on. It wasn't. And so, But if that fight didn't get stopped, I think he might stop Hearns in that fight and then you never have Tommy Hearns. So I'm, I'm just saying, I'm taking nothing away from Hearns because he went on and he had a great career, Hall of Fame career. But he wasn't mentally as stout, as significant no. as those other guys were. At that point, at in those points in their careers, Hagler, so. how about Hagler and B Hop? I'm going with Hagler because, I mean, one of the greatest southpaws of all time, and Pennell Whitaker was too. But Hagler was a great southpaw, and he could he could do everything, and he did it with strength. He he could box, he he could counter, he could lay a trap, and he could go catch you. Yeah, and and incredible so, gas. Uh, yeah. He also had the intangible of being from Boston, which makes you like 10% tougher. He's from Boston, so <laughs> you got to bear with him a little Home bit. Home of the champs. You know, but <laughs> I mean, listen, taking nothing away from Bernard Hopkins, uh, tremendous, but I would have to go with Hagler, one of the greatest middleweights of all time. Not saying Bernard isn't in that conversation, but Hagler was special. And I'm going to go with Hagler. He was physically stronger. He was uh, a better puncher. Uh, but it's not just because of that. It's because of everything. He had the whole package. And mentally, there wasn't, I don't think there was anybody who's going to be better than him uh, in that department either. I, I know they were off weights, but it probably could have happened. Hagler, Andre Ward. That's a good one. I mean, that's a real good one. I'm still going to go with Hagler. Because Hagler, to me, is one of the all-time greats. But Andre Ward had the goods. He had the yid factor. You know, gold medalist from the Olympics. Uh, believed that he was always going to win. You know, Customato once said to me, he said, Teddy, one of the greatest assets you can have, and it's it's as rare as uranium. I mean, you're, you're not going to find it. He said, it's cold. And I'm listening, you know, I'm like, yeah, what is this? This is <laughs> something that you go up to a mountain somewhere, you know, and, and you go under a tree that's a flaming bush, and, you know, you find it? <laughs> you know, I was, I was like, what is it? Yeah, what is it, Cuz? And he said, it's called supreme confidence. I was like, that doesn't sound that special. He goes, it is. He said, very few people have it. I've only seen two people in my lifetime who've had it. I said, who were they? He said, Sugar Ray Robinson and Muhammad Ali. They're the only ones I ever saw that really believe that every time there was no way they weren't going to win. There was no way they weren't going to win. Makes sense, too. Those two guys are killers, man. You know, and, and I think to a certain extent, Andre Ward might have had a little bit of that because he always believed he was going to win and he was right. You know, he, he won five on how many years in a row in the amateurs. He didn't lose a fight for like. A hundred years, and you know he, and in the pros, of course, the same thing. He always knew he was going to win. All right, last one because it'd be the yeah. fun one for the fans. Aaron Pryor and Roberto Duran, which yeah. I go with Duran. I think he's a little bit too big. Pryor was special, you know. It's Super a shame special. that he that he had the demons that he had, yeah. you know. And and God bless him, uh, God bless him. He's not with us anymore. 
but prior I had something in my heart because uh, he, he was a special guy. You know, he was he, he was special in that ring. You know, the demons couldn't get him in there. You know, they they couldn't get him in the ring. He he was he was pretty special. This is a guy that also had that real true belief that he was always going to win uh, when he was right. You know, when when he was what he was supposed to be, a guy who threw a million punches, but was smarter than he looked. You know, a lot of people thought he was just winging it. No, he was winging from different angles. He knew what he was doing. He was under control. Crazy it, vision, it, too. It, it, yeah, crazy vision. Like it, it might have been, you know, it might have been, uh, it might have looked like chaos to other people, but it was it was art in in its own way. Yeah. You know, where somebody else, you know, might have been, uh, you know. Doing, doing. Um, he beat Tommy in the amateurs, right? Tommy Hearns. Yeah, yeah. I think he beat, but he also he should have made the Olympic team. I think he beat Tommy Hearns in the amateur, but he should have made the Olympic team. He fought Howard Davis, who was one of the greatest amateurs yeah, of all time. He used to uh, train at our at our gym. He was oh, one yeah? of the coaches. Yeah, good guy. And, and listen, he was a gold medalist, part of maybe the greatest Olympic team of all time, 1976, with Lennon and the Spinks brothers and Leo Randolph. I mean, five world champions came out of that, and. Uh, Five or four world champions, five Olympic champions, and but he, he probably beat Howard Davis, and Howard Davis won the Val Barker Award that Olympic for the best boxer out of all those great fighters. He got the best. So Howard Davis was tremendous. He won a gold medal, but Pryor probably beat him in the Olympic trials. But the powers that be, they didn't like him. You know, they didn't like his style. They liked Howard Davis's style better. And, uh, you know, the amateurs can be just as corrupt as the pros, unfortunately. Yeah. And so they didn't they didn't let him go. But he made up for it. He had a burning fire in him to make up for it in the pros. And he made up. He beat the great Alexis Oguayo twice. Yeah. The first fight was a, was a titanic fight. You know, it was an epic fight. Unbelievable fight. But... Uh, and with the drama too, uh, with Panama yeah, with the Lewis Panama Lewis, yeah. give me the bottle, the bottle I mix, yeah. you know all that stuff. He didn't need no bottle for Alan Pryor. <laughs> let me tell you, the, the only bottle was was called Heart and Soul. That that's the only bottle he needed. Uh, his belief, his supreme confidence. Uh, I remember watching him getting that down, do a back flip against Cervantes. Again, that's who he won his first title with. A great fighter, uh, Kid Pompilly, uh Antonio Cervantes, Colombian. That's who he beat. And he was a great when he, when he rolled back oh, yeah. and then came he, up fighting. Well, he got dropped. Yeah. And what does he do? Well, I mean, you talk about taking the wind out of someone's sails. How how do you think somebody would feel looking across the ring? You just dropped a guy and he's doing a backflip and then he's doing a windmill and coming saying, back at you and, harder than ever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and doing a windmill saying, "I gotta go, go <laughs> this guy." Are you serious? I mean, really? Yeah. So that that maybe that is the best explanation of what I just said about Cuss with the. Supreme confidence that Aaron Pryor is a candidate uh, for for having that because again he's a guy he's a guy that threw me in punches but he was controlled chaos you know a lot of people again would say oh gee you know this guy was uh, just wild he was just all no it was orchestrated chaos it was controlled chaos you know it was educated chaos he knew what he was doing with that chaos and, and that wild fact is always. Huge factor thing like Pacquiao in his early days, still, still now to this day, that wildness, that mystery, that gray area where you haven't seen that in the gym too much, and then boom, weird angle, you're sitting on your ass. No, it's true. And he, again, you know, he wasn't conventional. You know, he he was a guy that went to, he walked to his own beat, his own drum, and he was a guy that, again, if you if you like art, 
he wasn't Picasso, but he was graffiti. Yeah. But graffiti <laughs> can be beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and he made graffiti beautiful. Yeah. Pierre, and before we sign off, I just want to give a quick shout out again to my bookie. Check him out at mybookie.ag. These guys are easy to deal with. Pleasure. Use the app. Uh, go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code ATLAS for 100% credit on your first play, up to $1,000. And also, thanks for all the support, guys. If you like the show, please be sure to take one minute to leave a review on iTunes. It really helps a lot. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, but honestly, I can't stress enough. Please take two seconds and just click a review on um, iTunes. Leave us a review. Leave some comments. Please, it, it all helps. Appreciate all the support. Well, listen, before we let you go, I just want to point out that one of the things that we pride ourselves on, aside from having great fighters on here like Mickey Ward, Vasily Lomachenko, Alex Vosdick, J-Rock Williams, we typically only have on, and to date have only had on really quality people. So you fit right in with the mold of all the great fighters that we've had on here. Good person, great fighter. Pleasure to pleasure to have you on, and we'll be looking Appreciate forward it. to your fight. Yes, sir. Best of luck to you. Duran and Lomachenko since he brought him up. That's his fault, man. <laughs> He's taking Lomachenko against anyone. No, no, Duran, you can't go against Duran. You know, Durant, and listen, Lomachenko wouldn't get upset. Uh, Lomachenko would say, "Teddy, I understand." You know, because uh, he was pretty special at at one thirty five. You know, he was he was like a middleweight. He was pretty special, and. I would just say Lomachenko is pretty damn special too. You know, he's, oh, I mean, yeah. he's he's a guy that he mixes not not just talent, he's a southpaw, but his technique is so good too. And again, he's he, smart. His he's he's smart. His I intellect. I think that's what sets him apart. And his calmness in the in the eye of a storm, right in the middle of a 150 mile hour winds. You know, he he's his hair ain't even moving. You know, he's still calm. Yeah. He's seeing everything. Like you said, good eyes, good vision, good calmness, you know. And he reminds me of a Tiger Woods. And I'll tell you why. Tiger Woods, one of the greatest golfers of all time, his father set out basically like a kind of like a lab experiment (laughs) where he was going to make his son the greatest golfer ever. So he started a plan when he was born to give mental trials, mental lessons, technical lessons, physical lessons to make him a champion. The father of Lomachenko did the same thing. He, I heard he, dancing. Everything. He did the same thing. Man, it's hard to argue. The other guy I forgot to mention was one of your stable mates, Dustin Poirier, who's probably one of the nicest guys I've ever met. And one of the meanest guys once you locked that cage up. Yep. We've been teammates for a while. Beating the crap out of each other, man. It's like yeah. five, six years we've been we've been polishing each other up, man. Dustin's a dog, man. Yeah. And he's gonna be a champion again. Yeah, he'll be a champion again, man. He he gets after it, man. There's not a day he doesn't get after. Yeah. And also a couple of natural abilities from God, like crazy gas tank, just naturally gifted with that, you know. He's got some some tools, man. And like I said, Last a good question. person. A great person. Best amateur boxing system in the universe. Amateur fighter? The, no, best, best amateur boxing system. Oh, Cuba was pretty good. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> Cuba, it. where you can't leave. That's it. That's all I wanted. <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> hey, we're going to see it on display November 2nd at Cuban Boxing. Yes, sir. It was really good having you. Hey, thanks, thanks again, Jordan. Appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Man. All Thank right, you. guys.